takes on It's the thrill of one more kill The last one to find We'll never sacrifice their will Don't ever look back When the world closes in Be on the attack With your wings Giants 25, Panthers 3. Welcome to Talking Giants Victory Monday Blowout. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. we got a blowout victory to talk about, Justin. The, the biggest Giants victory in nine years. Feels good. We're going to talk about Daniel Jones, the defense holding the Panthers at three points. Matt Rule, you little weird voice weirdo. Justin, how are you? You were at the game. How are you? Yes, Bobby Skinner. I have a number for you, and it's not like DJ one-hander. It's not like the usual numbers that I throw out here to start, maybe to start the show. But the number is six hundred and seventy-nine. That has been the number of days since Giants fans have witnessed a home victory. Bobby Skinner, you were at that game, and that was pretty much the first time that we met. Back in 2019, 679 Damn, that days. That was the last time. That was the last time that the Giants, excuse me, that have the Giants fans have witnessed a home win yeah. in their stadium. And uh, you know, obviously, last year's circumstances, you know, made that uh, made that not happen for Giants fans. But 679 days since we have felt like this, leaving a Giants home game with fans in the stands. So a really good day. You know, we'll talk about how it was done, but. We needed this. We needed this. We deserve this. Um, it was a bizarre game. It was one of the most bizarre games that I've ever seen um, from a home game. And I'm very, very excited to be here and very, very excited to talk about this. 679 days since Giants fans have witnessed a home victory. Yeah, this this game doesn't change the season or anything, but this was a good win for people that needed a good win. You know, we'll go through who it impacts and, and who did well. Um you know, Daniel Jones, obviously the defense had a big game. But, you know, somebody that we usually don't talk about too much on Monday pods, and if we are, it's critiquing because that's what you do. But, like, I want to give a shout-out to, you know, Joe Judge. We felt horrible all last week about the Giants team, and you know that the Giants players as well. It was starting – you know it was starting to weigh on them. I mean, they were a 1-5, in five, Justin. You know, they got blown out last week. Blown out, and then Joe Judge – to the public says, hey, some guys weren't giving the effort we want, and that's going to be addressed. And Jerome Henderson basically called out Logan Ryan and James Bradbury flat out in his presser, you know, the DB's coach, like these, they didn't hustle on, on a certain play. You know, called them out. You see, you know, now guys are being put in, in, um, in trade rumors. Like that's not good for the mind. That's not good for guys to, you know, and they're getting them in the right mental state. Yeah. And especially on defense. It's one thing on offense, but on defense, defense is so much – of effort and attention to detail. It is all 11 guys working together, every play being dialed in, look, you know, working the details with your feet, hand, and eyes, and giving effort on every play. Because if you don't, you can lose a game that way. 
And then on the offensive side, you're missing your 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 four best playmakers. And Kenny Galladay, Kadarius, Tony, Saquon, and Sterling Shepard. And your left tackle, who's kind of like the glue of the offense. Plus your center. Plus your left guard. <laughs> yeah. you know? And you have your biggest win in nine years. This is the biggest margin of victory in nine years for the New yep. York Giants. So I, I, we have been very harsh on Joe Judge, and I think rightfully so this season. But you got to give credit where his credit is due. Is this team was was ripe to give up and to be lost, the locker room be lost by Joe Judge. You know, we talked about it on the mailbag pod on Wednesday. We're like, it hasn't, there's been no signs that it's been lost. But it was, we're like, it's going to, though. It's going to. And so credit to Judge, Graham, and even get, you know, get this, this entire coaching staff for getting these guys to buy in at one in five with all of these injuries when everything pointed to them kind of being done and giving up. Hey, you mentioned the stat that was on the broadcast. The last win at home by 22-plus points was December 30th, 2012, versus the Eagles. Katie Sharp tweeted out, Giants outscored the Panthers 20 to nothing in the second half. That's their biggest second-half margin in any game since September 14th, 2008, versus the Rams. So, you know, relatively, you know, two pretty good years for the Giants. And I didn't you know, realize the margin was a home, so never mind. Yeah, that's... that's I, I, so, but anyway, but that, ma- no, but that matters because... The Giants historically, I almost feel like uh, they've been a better road team, you know, not even just counting like the Road Warriors narrative from, you know, 2007, 2008. That was a real thing. But I I always just feel like they've always they've always been a better away team than home or really home field advantage hasn't mattered for the Giants. And it was just nice to get that kind of win today at home. And you're absolutely right. And every single one of those players offensively and defensively had every single right to come out today and frankly look like the Carolina Panthers. You know, where Sam Darnold is making some bad throws and he's getting knocked around and Daniel Jones still got knocked around a decent amount today. But the defense had every right to kind of come out and, you know, look unenergetic and continue to miss assignments and edge rushers still not getting home, right? But what they looked like today, I thought guys like McKinney, Logan Ryan, everybody. I mean, really, I'm not even just going to single out some people. You know, some guys did have some better games than others. But all of these players today, they it felt like it was a loose, athletic, just instinct-filled game of making plays on the football, making tackles, getting after the quarterback, making plays in the run game, filling your gap, fulfilling your responsibility, not doing too much. I felt like every single player, especially on that defensive side of the ball, they were really, really playing well. And that, you know, that really does go to coaching for a week ago, this team looking lost. And, you know, we're looking at this team thinking, oh, this could get bad. Like this could be one of those, you know, 2017 like games where you can lose the season, you can lose the locker room from there, like you were saying, but it wasn't. So really credit to the coaching staff and credit to these players for going out there and playing loose athletic and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And again, this isn't, la- you know, the Cowboys are going to win this division. You know, I, the, anything's possible. The Giants aren't going to make the playoffs this year, most likely. It sucks to be saying that, you know, seven games in, but <clears throat> there, you know, as much as fans may want to tank or give up, like these players are playing for their jobs, you know, for, for contracts. And so the guys that need to show out, showed out, you know, and, and I think that starts with Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones has been a good quarterback this year. You know, like he has yep. been a good QB last week versus the Rams was bad, but other than that, he's been a good quarterback. You know, when he has a game like this, completes 70% of his passes, he had a couple of drops too, you know, not only 203 yards, but against, against a top five defense in the Panthers, one touchdown. To come out and play good without his left tackle, without again his four best playmakers, 
And it not to be like the signature game of the year for him, you know, where it's like the Saints, he was much better. Washington, he was much better. So it's like it's, you know, in seven games, this was his third best game of the season. It's like he's just he's consistently playing well, you know, and and this wasn't a game where they relied on deep shots. You know, it was a lot of dinking and dunking. They couldn't. <laughs> no, because, I mean, they couldn't, you know, they couldn't protect up front. Um, we you know, we were critical. I'm sorry to cut you off, but. We were critical last year of not throwing the ball deep down the field, and the excuse was, oh, but Daniel Jones doesn't have the time, and we were like, well, that's not always the excuse. This game, it was the excuse. He legitimately, like, his time to throw was 2.62 seconds, and that was, like, top seven quickest times to get rid of the ball this week in the National Football League, and he needed to get rid of that ball quick. So I am. this is not a week where you're going to hear me complain about a lack of explosive plays and not throwing the ball down the field. Daniel Jones, without... Andrew Thomas and with <laughs> with Matt Parrott going out for a series, he just could not do it. If Andrew Thomas is playing and you have all the same wide receivers, I'm like, we need to be taking, we need to be attacking downfield. And I'm sure I'll watch the film and and have have critiques of it. But it's like, man, the tackle play. Well, I'll say Parrott seemed like he played all right, but at the same time, like credit to I will give Garrett credit for this. Um, I don't think this was some great game plan by Garrett, but we were worried it was going to kind of res, you know go back into old Garrett and it still was. I mean, there was a lot of, it was like slants, um, you know, stick, a lot of curls. Throughout the first, I wasn't really fully locked into how the offense was fully executing in the second half, even though that's where they scored the majority of their points. But in the first half, the, really the only thing that was working, and you pointed this out too, and I was noticing it from the stands too, the only thing that was working was sticks and and like the, the OBJ slants of, you know, those cornerbacks are, they're playing with a lot of cushion off the line of scrimmage. So guys like Slayton, guys like Pettis, Pettis created, I believe the, the biggest and most explosive play of the day off of yards. like that slant, you know, the 27, 28 yarder off that just slant and go. So they were moving DJ out of the pocket. You know, they were getting him outside the pocket. We're like, Hey, yeah. we're not going to, we're not going to keep him in, inside the pocket. It's just not going to work. Which the only critique that I have of DJ in terms of like moving outside the pocket, there was a few times that it worked, but I thought that there were some plays where, you know, they have a tight end that's running in the, in the flats, right? When you move DJ out of the pocket, whether he's going to his right or to his left, most, they mostly did it when he was going to his right, but you have a tight end running in the flat. And then you have a wide receiver that's running in like that secondary level behind that tight end. I thought there were a few opportunities. I'm looking forward to your film review to see if you can kind of look at this, especially on the Kyle Rudolph touchdown. That was not a touchdown. I thought that there was somebody open in the flats behind him. But at the same time, I'm not going to fault DJ that much today because he did what he had to do to make zero mistakes, not turn over the ball, not make harsh decisions with the ball and putting the ball in harm's way. He did everything. You know, he, he managed the game very well today. And with an offense that is basically kind of like a practice squad offense, you know, I'm never going to complain about that. So. Yeah, and the offense tried to hold them back. You know, there was plenty of drives where they started moving the ball and they just got killed by the dumbest penalties or, yeah. you know, they would run the ball and lose two yards. I mean, illegal procedure, uh, Dante Pettis. I think Dante, there was a play where Dante Pettis was on the line of scrimmage when he was supposed to step off and there were two illegal men downfield penalties with Parrot and Solder. Yeah, the so. Parrot one was like, I just, the, the Solder one wasn't Solder's fault. It was RPO. Yeah. Kyle Rudolph actually blocked his defender into the throwing lane. So DJ had to hold on, like, you know, and threw it away. They got intention. So they called that one wasn't Nate Soldier's fault. But the Matt Parrott one, which, you know, I'm not gonna be critical of Matt Parrott's game. He played he played uh played well. But that was like 
you're just floating down the field, dude. What are you doing right now? It's like there's no there's no excuse for this. This isn't like you're trying to you know show a, a real run fake or or there's a chance of being handed off. Um, but yeah, I mean no you know no turnovers after a game where Daniel Jones had four last week. You know he you know we he went again he went. 10, 11 weeks, I can't remember now, you know, since the Tampa Bay game last year where there was no interception, that was Hayward's fault. You know, he had two, the Hail Mary, and then the Ingram drop versus Dallas has the, you know, the two last week. The third one, was the, the Shep one wasn't his fault. And, you know, have no turnovers and be able to, you know, will the team down down the field for a touchdown. And they should have had 30 points. If Kyle Rudolph can stick the ball over the pylon or they could pound it in from second and goal at the half-yard line, like then you get your first thirty point game under yeah. Jason Garrett versus a really good defense without Andrew Thomas and with no weapons. So like this was one of the better Giants offensive performances with with everything stacked against them with whoever with who their opponent was and yeah. with nobody on offense. I kind of disagree with that. The Panthers punter stinks. He might have been the worst punter I've ever seen outside of Matt Dodge. I think he was, I think he's worse than Matt Dodge. At least Matt Dodge will give you a 75-yard punt every every once in a while. So, the Giants offense, I <laughs> I should do this calculation even before I, you know, even before we wait for like football outsiders to give it to me. The Giants average starting field position today, yesterday was insane. It they were starting near the 40-yard line almost every single drive. So, like yes, like yes, the you know, the offense did a good job. They almost put up 30 points, blah blah blah. But defense, they did a good job giving them opportunities, which uh, I'm not discrediting what the offense did, especially when you consider how many starters they're missing. I'm not discrediting what Daniel Jones did. I just don't think kind of what they did is very sustainable because also I was never more mad at Jason Garrett than the series of events. And tell me if you disagree with this because you're more of a film guy and you know maybe you, you, know, you sometimes think a little bit more rationally than I do. I was never more disgusted with Jason Garrett than what happened, the series of events that took place after Kyle Rudolph did not, you know, after they ruled that Kyle Rudolph did not score that touchdown. How in the world do you have three plays in a row? You run the two, you run the same play twice, that power play to the right side where you put Caden Smith in motion pre-snap. They did that twice. It's not even like they just ran the ball twice and they failed. They literally ran the same play and they put Caden Smith in motion in the same way two plays in a row. So everybody in the stands knew that it was going to be the same play. So that's second and third goal. And then fourth goal, you don't change personnel. They didn't change personnel at all through through that whole entire series of events where they're keeping that big, heavy personnel on. The Gi- we we know that the Giants do not have the offensive line to play mono-e-mono, smash-mouth football in the, in the, in the red zone. They don't get it, and then lo and behold, the touchdown that they do score when they're in the when they're in the red zone is they spread it out, they mix up the personnel looks, and Dante Pettis gets in for the touchdown. I was never more pissed off at Jason Garrett because it just continued to show that we cannot score points consistently in the red zone. I don't like the third and goal, like you know, play action trying to sneak, you know, you know, get Evan Ingram leaked out. But I will say you're at the half yard line. You should be able to trust your team to just pound the rock in. But you know, we maybe can't. You... But we know that though. We but know they have we though. But they have before. You know, it's it's they've done it before. I don't know, you know? with Nate Let's Sold say... with Nate Solder and Matt Paird and I I, I don't know. But it's like, you know, half a yard. Like you should be able to pound it in. Like you got you should be able to trust. You. Like but if, if it's they... not working, you need to do something different. 
you need that's to spread why you it out. have three to- shots at it now again third and goal they passed it you should be able to trust your t- and not you know not take any dumb chances you know of, of an interception or something like you know where it's very tight down there i, I don't have an issue with trying to pound it in there I'd rather trust my quarterback who hasn't made those mistakes a lot this year rather than trusting my, you know, my three down backup running back. And half a yard. I understand it's half a yard, but you're trusting an offensive line that can't get a half a yard. And we all know that. So I'd rather trust my quarterback in that situation who has done a good job with the ball relatively this year. I did. I, I, I disagree. You got to be able to be able to pound the ball in there. You know, and they've done it before this season, last season. I know this season's running O line isn't as good as last year. It's just crazy to say. Um, I I can't be mad at Jason Garrett for if if they do spread it out and on second and third down they're not able to complete it or they lose two yards or or get a sack or something, then we're yelling at Jason Garrett for not just pounding, just you know lining up and trying to pound it in. Well, again, I mean that's that's just their fault that they just can't execute either. So I mean. But I, I could not. I couldn't stand that. I could not blame Dave Gettleman. Stand that. Yeah, not Jason Garrett. Really? Um, you know, like you, you should, you should be able to, to trust your guys to get in. But it does suck that this offense just has no running game. I mean, it is seven weeks and we're ne- that we have not been able to put together a consistent run game all season long. Was Daniel Jones the leading rusher from today? No, Booker was. Booker had the nineteen yard. Booker had like the last two drives of the game. Booker had some decent runs. Yeah, he had fifty one yards. But Daniel Jones is still the leading rusher on the year, though. Oh yeah, on the year, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, they can't put together a run game. It's and that's with a QB who has you know athletic ability, and they just cannot put together a run game. It's it's embarrassing how. All right, bad here's what we haven't talked about yet. The run game is which I can't believe we haven't touched on this yet. We have to talk about that catch. Yeah, that was insane. Um, <laughs> and just the way Dan- Daniel Jones catches the ball like that and just has zero reaction to it. Like, that is who Daniel Jones is just a cold-blooded. Stone cold. Stone cold killer. Like, catches that ball, gets hit, one-handed catch, and just shows zero reaction. Zero reaction. Just like, all right, get back into the huddle and, uh, and and you know, let's let's call a play. Just zero reaction. He's He's a, he's a madman. I love him. I love him. I, I I almost want I almost wanted to just say I don't know how anybody could not like him. I'm going to say that. I don't know how anybody could not like him. I know how you could have not liked him during the draft, and that's really what Daniel Jones has shown up this year. You know, again, is he is it guaranteed he's a franchise QB right now? No, he has he fully proven it. No, but through seven games, he's sh- he's shown it this year. Yeah, he's shown it this year. Whether everything was good around him or bad around him. You know, again, the Rams game was bad. But QBs have bad games. And we we talked about it last week. Like, don't stack this up. You know, and our expectation for this game is like, hey, just play all right. Play all right in this game. He played good. He didn't play great. He played good in this game. And, like, he's shown that he's real. De- he's showing that he's real deal. You know, like, his, you know, his pocket manipulation was something we, after his rookie season on this podcast. Concern. When we talked about, you know, Daniel Jones issues, I said, I don't really care about the fumbles that much, you know, and the interceptions have always been somewhat of an issue. But if you really look at it, if you just erase the fumbles, you really want his interceptions would never be talked about that much because it was just the fumbles who that bumped up the turnover margin. And I was like, I, I was like, don't talk about the fumbles. Let's talk about pocket manipulation, which in turn helps with the fumble as well. It's like that is something he struggled with, and he didn't. He wasn't great at it to start last season. Got got better at it towards the end of the year. 
this year he looks really good working the pocket. Like he looks like a good QB working the pocket. And I I remember talking boys in the offseason were like, you can't get better at that. It's just a feel thing. You don't get better at it. And how we even talked with Mickey Bruckner, his trainer, and said that was something that they were specifically working yeah. on. Was like his movement inside the pocket. Yep. Like he has gotten so much better at that. And that's why you can have a game where Matt Parrott starting at left tackle and you're not calling you're not yelling at Matt Parrott besides a screenplay. You know? Which by the way, people were getting like Matt per- it's a screenplay. But anyway, like he his pocket manipulation has made him a much better quarterback, you know. Yeah. And in a game where they don't complete any really deep passes, like he his pocket manipulation showed up and versus you know, Hassan Reddick, who sacked him five times last year. You know, versus Brian Burns, who's been getting, you know, Brian Burns got a sack today. Nate Solder still stinks. Dan Schneier, uh, he had a tweet that cracked me up because it was so brutally honest. He's like, he should just retire. Like, he it's, should. It's, it's, he, it, he is a liability out there. Like, you know, we joked about Corey Cunningham, but I think Corey Cunningham Actually, might you know be what? able you know to what? be a better option than him. You know what? Nate Solder shouldn't retire. Because as long as he's, as long as the Giants are giving him a paycheck at the end of every single game, that's not his fault. The Giants just should bench him. Like, I don't understand. Like, you know, Dan Schneider brought up a good point. I don't understand how Nate Solder can look at the film every week and be, and be like, okay with how he's playing. I don't understand how the Giants coaches can look at what he's doing every single week and not think that anybody else who can somewhat play the tackle position can take his spot. But about Daniel Jones's pocket manipulation, I think there's a reason why people say, and, you know, I think some analytical minds like to say that quarterbacks largely control, like, their sack rate, their pressure rates, and and, and things of that nature. Now, there are exceptions where there was a 50-yard touchdown that was uh, almost happened (laughs) on Sunday where one, like, it was 1.5 seconds. There was just a free runner that came in and absolutely demolished Daniel Jones. And Darius Slayton was wide open for, it was four a 50. Four-man rush. It was good. If we had four-man rush, it was going to be a 50-yard touchdown. And Jones was just demolished. So that's an example where quarterbacks are not controlling their, their pressure rate and their sack rate and their QB hit rate, right? But you're seeing the difference in Daniel Jones this year. You know, even if it's with, without, with Andrew Thomas, without Andrew Thomas, you're seeing the difference in how he's able to manip- manipulate the pocket this year where he's just overall, he's taken a lot less sacks. Daniel Jones is still, before this game, he was the seventh least pressured quarterback in the National Football League. And that is a shocking stat. And that's according to Pro Football Reference. You know, they I like their pressure calculations better than Pro Football Focus. We talk about that all the time. So before this past Sunday, Daniel Jones was the seventh least pressured quarterback in the National Football League. And by like the eye test, you wouldn't really think that's true, but it kind of is because Jones is doing a much better job of navigating the pocket and being more aware and having that awareness around him. So that's where I think a lot of people, that's where I side with a lot of people that say, you know, well, quarterbacks do control that because I think you've seen in years past well, Daniel Jones has been sacked like a hundred times through the first two years of his career. And that was like an unreal rate where this year, you know, even though the offensive line is like arguably worse, the sacks are down and the pressures are down because he's doing a better job manipulating pocket and getting the ball out of his hands. And he's still being sacked a good amount. You know, that's where I, that's where I push back against, you know, the take that like QBs control their sacks. It's like, I get, they can limit them. It's a balance. Yeah. It's not black or white. This year he's average. He's He's being sacked twice a game. Where last year he was sacked, you know, three point two times per game. Yeah, you know, that's a now, big difference. That's part a of difference that could of be Andrew Thomas. Yards. Yeah, that part of that could be Andrew Thomas struggling in the first half of last year, um, and that Cardinals game. I mean, he was just what a was lame it in twenty nineteen? What was the sack rate in twenty nineteen? 
It was a little better than that, actually. Oh, really? It was. He had 12 starts. He was sacked 30. Hold on. I can do the math real quick. I mean, 30, 12 times 3 is 36, so. 3.1 times. So a yeah. little bit less than 2020. Okay. But that was, I blamed a little bit of that on Garrett's offense. Actually, I blamed a lot of that on Garrett's offense. So, yeah, I mean, he's getting better manipulating the pocket. Um, Can you read the ad? Yeah. We have a fun kind of little story to go with this. So, after the game today, yesterday, I went to the Candlewick Diner. And one of the things that we've been telling you in these Candlewick Diner ad reads is the next time you're at MetLife or the next time you're near East Rutherford just in general, do what the Giants do and head over to the Candlewick Diner, East Rutherford, New Jersey, five minutes away from MetLife Stadium. You know, literally, it was like a service road, like 120 service road, and then like Route 17, and then boom, we pulled right up to the Candlewick Diner, um, right from leaving like parking lot L. And lo and behold, I walk in, I see the owner, his name is Manny, really cool guy, and he tells me, I just seated a party for 15 and they said, can you see this kind of quickly because we're the family of a Giants player? And he was like, yes, I, I will do that. And that player was Raymond Johnson. So lo and behold, Raymond Johnson comes they into the Candlewick Diner. Raymond. He is a big, tall human being. Um, not much taller than me. Not much taller than me. I'm thinking about putting on the pads and, you know, maybe going after Raymond Johnson. You guys Johnson look like you belong together. We do. We we did. We we look like we belong together. We we were great friends. I told him I I clipped up a a little highlight vid of his after he was signed for the Giants, and he said, "Oh yeah," and thank you. That doesn't mean that he knows who I am, but I guess he kind of recognized that he got some love on social media, which I did. He was my favorite UDFA from this draft class. So there's a reason why we say go to the Candlewick Diner, and there's a chance that you can meet the Giants. You can see the Giants. Jabril Peppers also goes there. Quincy Roche was there. Rodarius Williams was there a couple weeks ago. A lot of the rookies like to go, and Jabril Peppers obviously lives near the area, so he goes there quite often. There's a reason why we say it, because I actually ran into him, and I had a really good time. Took my friend's Candlewick Diner. It was great. So I want to talk to you about the best place to go next time you're at a game, and that's Candlewick Diner. Mile up the road from MetLife Stadium. Perfect spot. Pre-game breakfast or post-game dinner slash drink. You go, you celebrate a victory, or you go and you have a drink. You get something strong after a loss. Full-service bar, in-house bakery, free delivery, extensive menu from breakfast, burgers, steaks to pasta. Got a lot of different desserts, too, from the bakery, which is really awesome. Diners frequently attended by numerous Giants players, celebrating their 52nd year in East Rutherford this October 26th. So, I want you to go to their Instagram page, at Candlewick Diner. They have some great specials. Go to CandlewickDiner.com. That's Candlewick, Candle Common Spelling, W-Y-C-K Diner.com. Look at their menu. Next time you're at MetLife, head over there. Thanks to Raymond Johnson for being cool. He was a really cool guy. Thanks to the Candlewick Diner for making that kind of happen. We got we grabbed a picture together. It was kind of awesome. Candlewick Diner. Uh, speaking of Giants players, um, did you see Elijah Penny on Friday being like, stop greeting people as king? And then you called him king? Yeah, and everyone started calling him king. And then I tweeted at him today before the game. I was like, play big king. And he, he just quote tweeted said, LMAO, y'all funny. So go go show Elijah Penny the king some uh, some love. Some, uh, some king love. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad he's, t- he's he's laughing at it because it was funny. So you can't you can't tell the internet to not do something Elijah Penny because that's going to make the internet do it. But he realized that. He's... He seems like a cool dude. Um, all right. Uh, other th- anything else on the office? I mean, offensive line, Solder's really bad. Parrot looked all right. 
But again, they did a bunch of sprint outs and getting them outside of the pocket. So it's one of those things where end game, it looks good, and then you go back and watch it. It might not be great. Um, that catch was insane. Uh, I, 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 the, the stadium, it was one of those moments where everybody was just freaking out. And we haven't had one of those moments in a very, very long time where it was like, did you just see that play? Did you just see what I saw? Um, so that was a really, really cool moment. Um, and Daniel Jones, again, just, just being goofy and, you know, he didn't do some crazy celebration after, you know, he didn't freaking dance. He was just goofy. And I, I hated it, but I also loved the, the post-game quote from Dante Pettis saying that, uh, why'd you stop? You should have kept running. Like that could have, I, he's like, I thought that was going to be a touchdown. It actually was smart. If he would have stopped, he would have got, or if he would have kept going, it would have been like a, if he was uncovered, it would have been a easy catch but he probably would have got lit up and like the play yeah. wouldn't have worked like because i was at the same like why are you stopping run run through it but if he kept running through it he would have gotten hit right he would have gotten lit up and he wouldn't have made the catch so but yeah dante pettis dante pettis is a kind of funny dude too yeah um it's like i thought i threw him a dime and joe judge was being like yeah if, if you know he comes from a baseball family if he didn't make that throw they wouldn't have let him come home um defense now we talk about defense second on this pod but we should be talking about them for, i mean they they won the game. They held them the three points. You know, we could have scored five points this game, which it was five to three for a very long time. I wanted it to stay that way. By the way, it was really rooting for, really rooting for that. It just would have been nuts if we won five to three. Held them the two hundred yards total. Like this defense, and I don't care. Don't talk to me about the Panthers being a bad offense. You know what? Like this defense needed this game. Like, I don't care if it was a bad offense. They got good. They have good players. Like they got good. You know, they got a good receiving core. Sam Darnold was everyone's like you know darling in the beginning of the season. Now he hasn't played well lately. You hold him to 200 yards total. They wanted to run the ball coming into this game, and the Giants' deep run defense hasn't been good. You hold their running backs to 15 carries for 46 yards. You know, like how's that for running the ball, Matt Rule? And and then something else we talked about in this game is like they are a DJ Moore offense. It is DJ Moore and everybody else. Like you know, DJ Moore averaging 85 yards per game, and then the next best receiver, Robbie Anderson, averaging 31 yards per game. Well, before the final drive, which was total garbage time, uh, DJ Moore had four catches for 37 yards. Four catches for 37 yards. And it's not like they were spreading the rock around. Their second best receiver, you know, Chuba Hubbard had like 20-something receiving yards. Their second best receiver was Keith Kirkwood for three catches and 16 yards. And you want to talk about their, their you know, Jabril Peppers in coverage, who, nice sack today. Their starting tight end had zero catches in Ian Thomas. Zero catches for their starting tight end today. Tommy Trumbull had a catch. Two catches for 12 yards, I yeah, think, Yeah, baby. Um, you know, so there's a lot of love to spread around on this defense. But, you know, like, good job all around. And I think the secondary is what made it go with the pass rush kind of, sort of. We'll talk about it. Really, and I kind of said it to start off the show, I thought from top to bottom – Everybody played loose. Everybody played fast, and it was instinctual. And really, it was the it was you know obviously when you allow three points, it's this is a no shit Sherlock statement. But it was the defense that we signed up for this year. Where Peppers? Can I? Can we talk about Peppers first about how he was used, and then we'll talk about maybe some other guys. Do it. I kind of liked the way that Peppers was used today, where it was a combo of him being used as a slot corner. Darnay Holmes was also out there for a decent amount of plays too, and he was a slot corner. But then Peppers was always, what we've been kind of asking for, Peppers was always in the box. Always. So either as a slot corner, and he was kind of poking in the box with his hips kind of towards where the ball is, or 
he was covering a tight end or he was covering somebody out in the flat. And I thought like that, that is where Peppers kind of should be in the intermediate part of the field, covering a guy in the flat, covering a tight end, not like these speedy slot wide receivers. And when you line him up in the box over whether it's over a tight end or maybe a guy that's, you know, maybe not going to go out for a route that allows Peppers to therefore, if he sees that this guy isn't going to be a threat on a given play, come up and make a play in the run game comes up and it allows him to blitz and have a, you know, almost a sack at which he had, you know, he had a QB hit today. That was really, really impressive. Gets knocked down, gets like pancaked, gets right back up, almost gets a sack on Darnold. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. And just, tracks him down you know like that's that's a Jabril Peppers type play like that's something we like I th- I said it I was like I was like I think he's our best pass rusher like outside yeah. like you know of the edge group you know he's not a better pass rusher than Leonard Williams but it's like let him blitz let him be a guy who gets you know two and a half you know three sacks a year and a handful you know and, and a, a bunch of tackles for a loss like why not and they just weren't using him like that so good on them for you know letting him go in there and be a playmaker Pep is a playmaker let him be a playmaker um, he got banged up in the game. I don't know. You know, he, he broke down the huddle in the locker room, so maybe it's not too serious, but hopefully he's all right. But the pass rush, and this is what we'll say, is they have a bad offensive line, but the Giants have not been able to take advantage of bad offensive lines. No. Like, they've played bad offensive lines this year, and, a lot, and, you know, a lot of teams have bad offensive lines. You know, so that, like, that's where... You see the best pass rushers in the game. They have their, like, this is our stack game. Like, they understand, like, this is our stack game versus a bad offensive line. You know, whereas, like, against a good O-line, you might get some all-right sacks, but it's like, you know, you got to win with pressure, pressure, pressure. This was a game against a bad offensive line where the pass rush took advantage, whether it was Leonard Williams, Aziz Ojolari, even Austin Johnson, like, Quincy Roche a little bit. Um, Like, they were able, those those three guys, and Dexter Lawrence a little bit too, were able to take advantage of a bad offensive line and and put pressure on the passer and force throws. Dexter Lawrence got a sack today. Um, The Giants heading into today, I believe they were last in the National Football League in QB hits, and they might have had, they definitely have one, but maybe even two games where they had zero QB hits. Zero. So when you're that bad and when you're less in the National Football League and QB hits, I don't care what offensive line you're going up against. If you have success, I'm going to take it. So the Giants heading into Sunday had 23 QB hits through six weeks. Just on Sunday, they had 10. So that's about almost half. That's almost half of the QB hits that they've had through six games they had in Close one all game. Plus the sacks. Plus all, you know, plus all the sacks, which obviously when you get six sacks, that helps. But, you know, I'm a guy that, you know, likes to look at QB hits also alongside sacks. That lets you know that they're getting consistent pressure. And something that came from Next Gen, which I love my Next Gen stats, the Giants pass rush generated 18 pressures on 45 dropbacks. Their highest team pressure rate, 40% in a game since week 10, 2019. Aziz Ojolari led the Giants with a career high, eight pressures on 29 pass rush snaps, which that is a nice little rate of 27.6%. And I love that. Aziz is trying to get back on that 17 Woo! sack rate, uh, 17 game sack rate. He had a garbage time one, but you know what? We're, we're counting them. I mean, dude, you look at his stat line for like this is a rookie pass rusher, and you're like, that's like the performance of the year type stuff. You know, no, and he, and he's actually next to some good company. So WBG 84 
Um, he likes to go on stat muse, which is part of pro football reference, and he likes to look at this stuff. He does a really good job with it. Rookies with five and a half sacks, five tackles for loss to the first seven games of the season since 1999. Aziz this year, Nick Bosa 2019, Bradley Chubb 2018, Von Miller 2011, Alden Smith 2011, Namagatsu 2010, uh, Julius Peppers 2002, uh, Darren Howard 2000, and Brian Urlacher 2000. Um, that's some pretty good company. Brian five and a half sacks, five and a half sacks, five tackles for loss to the first seven games of their rookie season. Aziz Ojolari is next to those guys. That's beautiful. Now, Aziz has to be more consistent on in a game-in, game-out basis. Yep. But, like, you know what? He's a rookie. Like, But the Giants need to be more consistent, too. <laughs> he has now tied the Giants' rookie sack record with you-know-who, B.J. Hill. Don't even bring it up. Mm, Don't even bring it up. Mm, LT he, had more, but it wasn't actually technically calculated since it was 1980. Don't bring it up. Don't bring it up. B.J. Hill, that record is going to – that you're losing that record this year, B.J. Hill. Um, so good job on Aziz. And Leonard Williams, like Leonard Williams is on a big FU tour. Oh yeah. He's been playing well every game, you know, week two, I thought he played bad since then. He's been playing really well. He's been the MVP of the defense, a sack and a half forced to safety. He is, you know, making plays in the run. Um, like he has been a beast as long as well as Austin Johnson too, you know, for all the, you know, we missed Dalvin stuff like Austin Johnson's outplaying Dalvin Tomlinson this year. Oh, can we talk about something? Can we talk about something? I know what you're going to bring up. Um, you had a really good tweet today. And something that we've talked about, I talked about on the stats report. And if you love to listen to our mailbag episodes on Wednesday, which I recommend. I know a lot of people like to listen to the reaction stuff. But Wednesdays are like our best analysis that you're going to get out of the entire week. Um, I love our mailbag episodes. And one of the things that we talked about was that Danny Shelton, when he was on the football field, Giants allowed six yards per carry when Danny Shelton was on the football field. And he was supposed to be like the big run stuffer this offseason. When he's not on the football field, the Giants allowed 3.7 yards per carry. Danny Shelton was missing from this game. He was out with a, with a pectoral injury. He's going to be out for a little bit. And notice how well the Giants' defense played today. Notice how well they played from like top to bottom. First to run, too. Yeah, it's... You know, I'm not going to go full out and say, like, it's because Danny Shelton was there, but I I'm ready to. I'm ready to. You know, like, <laughs> we need to not play Danny Shelton anymore. I don't care what he's – you know, it's not like they even gave him a big deal anyway. So, um, you know, I don't think they're even playing Moa. I think it was just they were going – they were running a lot of, like, base sets. Like, it's – the Giants must run more base defense than any team in the NFL, where it's three defensive linemen, two outside linebackers, two inside linebackers, two corners, and two safeties. Like, I don't think there's any team that runs more base defense than the New York Giants. Yeah. And it's crazy because they did a lot of the three safety stuff last year, which I, I like that. I, I really do. And McKinney, um, Bernardrick McKinney, he yeah, was in there. Plays. He, yeah, he, he made a few good plays, you know. So, you know, maybe that'll help having someone who's, you know, been that true, like, number one linebacker before where Tay Crowder just was not fitting in that role and they no. weren't putting Rag and, and, you know, Ragland, I don't think was would, would have been, uh, been well great in it either even though I would rather have Ragman leading the way and then Crowder as the backside guy. So hopefully that can settle them a little bit. Did you notice Lorenzo Carter at all? Because yes. O'Shane Zimenez did nothing. Do you? Was there Lorenzo Carter plays that stuck out? Yeah. Um, now, the plays that I saw that he was going up against the tight end, and he really made some nice plays against the run. I didn't see him make any plays against the pass. Does the game book have him with any QB hits? I'm not quite sure. No, they do not. No QB hits for Lorenzo Carter. But he did make some nice plays in the run where I thought he was setting the edge well. And also, 
it was actually fun. He was like playing. I think there was a snap where he was playing as like an off ball linebacker. And there was a screen that was thrown to the outside and Carter runs like a bat out of hell and, you know, helps make a play on the outside to on, on like a tight end or a wide receiver that was thrown to a screen out there. So Carter made some nice plays, but I will say, I know where you're going to go. Quincy Roche was a ton of fun. He played with a lot of energy, a lot of effort, gave it all, and he's really, He's way really better than the run versus the run than I thought he would be. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And he pushes the pocket back in the pass rush. Yeah, he like he had some good coverage ref where he was blanketing tight ends. Like Quincy Roche needs to now he probably played more than those things in today. I think he he probably probably out snapped them, but he needs to take all of those reps away. Yeah. Like I think I think Roche and Aziz should be the starting edges going forward. You know, like Roche pushes that pocket back. And it's you know, Lorenzo's got a hasn't done anything to stop you. Um but we have another D B in Jabril Peppers who has more sacks than Lorenzo Carter. Should I should I do that to them after a win? Like pull up how many QB hits and sacks a DB has over those two guys? I mean, no, it, it's not, and it may not even be, it's, it is a slight towards them, but it's also like, it's definitely use, a slight towards them. But it's also used to roll peppers in this way, which they oh haven't my God. done. I usually don't look at the TV while yeah, we're recording. Don't, don't give a live update on something that's going to be old. Carson news. Wentz, interception in the red zone. He literally just tosses it to a line. Like, like shuffle passes it to a linebacker right in front of his face. Nice. With this, it's the first play of the second quarter. If you're um, following along at home, yeah. If that's if just in case that's the only one that he doesn't throw tonight. Oh my gosh, Carson Wentz, you idiot! All right. Um, and they traded a first round pick for that guy. Idiots. Uh, other things on defense. Oh, actually, you know what? I wanted to hit on. Um, you ever like? You know, maybe drink a little too much and you n- might not make sense and you might nick yourself up if you're trying to shave. You know, like Mark, like Mark Slareth, you know, like he likes oh. to booze it up. Heard he had you a know. few brewskis. Yeah, you know, like in game, like he might be a little, you know, too drunk and he, f- he forget to shave, you know, like forget to shave. And then when you do, you're you're cutting yourself up and you wake up in the morning and you've got like little, you know, red bumps all over you and you just don't feel well. You know, like that's that's a nightmare. Nightmare on Elm Street, if you ask. Yeah. Don't be like Mark Slareth, guys. Join the 2 million men worldwide by going to manscaped.com for 20% off, plus free shipping with the code GIANTS for all your men's below-the-waist grooming needs, guys. I use this stuff all the time. Shave your balls, guys. Shave your freaking balls. I have a question for you. Ask it. Manscaped sent sent us something nice recently. Did you get it? Recently, I don't think I got it. Wow. What was it? I got... The body wash? Oh, yeah. Have you ever tried to trim your balls and turn into a Freddy Krueger film? Well, luckily, Manscaped is here to save the day and make sure you're smelling fresh with their new refined body wash. And I'm very excited for it to show up. Fellas, the ladies love their signature scent, and it will scare away those vampires. Smelling nice is like... It's the one thing you should do as a man for your woman. Like, smell nice. You know? Like, maybe your hair could be a little unruly, or... You know, you don't you don't dress great, but just smell nice. You know, as long as you're smelling nice, you get away with a lot, guys. Unlock your confidence with the Performance Package 4.0. Inside, you'll find the best of men's grooming items. They've made it easy for you to upgrade your grooming routine. It's a full moon out there, and, and man, they're really pushing it with me right now. Um, did you get the lawnmower 4.0, okay? Like it's a full I use moon. it. It's the main thing. Get the freaking lawnmower 4.0. 
baby. The finely tuned pew products feature a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming, reduce grooming accidents thanks to our advanced skin safe technology. The lawnmower 4.0 is the greatest ball trimmer on the planet. And I'll attest to that. It really is. Oh, did I mention that the trimmer is waterproof too? Trimmers are shower essential. I, I still like every time I'm like, all right, I'm going to try and I just feel like I'm going to get it electrocuted and I never do. Like, no. It's you can use in the shower. Don't be afraid. I know. I'm I'm always afraid, even though it's like you should trust Manscaped, but it's they always they never let you down. So guys, get all this stuff. Get your crop preserver, your body wash. Hell, even if you get if you get the whole performance package 4.0, they're gonna put in boxers and the shed and, and and the shed travel bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. Again, guys, get twenty percent off plus free shipping with the code Giants at Manscaped.com. That's twenty percent off plus free shipping with the code Giants at Manscaped.com. Say tw- twickle tweet. To your beautiful new wiener with Manscaped. Oh. Um. All right, and you know maybe get that for if you're you know one of our two percent of our female audience. Um, get that for your man. You know you want them to smell nice. Like you, sh- that's the worst gift you can get someone though. Is just like a, a just a deodorant. You know, it's like you smell bad. No. Um. This... But if if you're dating that person, you're you're comfortable enough to say that type of that's stuff. That's right. Um, we had a guy at work one time who smelled really bad and it was like the customers started complaining and we literally had to like, that's how you know, tell him him, like, dude, you gotta, you gotta start smelling better. That's how you know. And I wish I was sponsored by Manscaped at the time. I would have given him the body wash. All right. Um, other things, boy, Matt rule. It's a shame. We don't have Matt rule. Matt rule. Joe Brady is kind of a fraud. I mean, you see what the Bengals are doing with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, and you got Justin Jefferson. Joe Joe Brady's a fraud. Matt Rule's a fraud. I'm wow. not telling you to be confident in Joe Judge, and definitely not telling you to be confident in Jason Garrett. But stop bringing up Matt Rule is what I'm saying. He embarrassed Sam Darnold today, by the way. Like, yeah, like he, I I do not. I, by the way, I do not agree with benching him. No, he wasn't. They, I thought he was injured. He didn't play good today, but they. It it they made it seem like he threw four interceptions today. No, I do not it, agree with Benching. That was that is, and Matt Rule called out his team publicly to the media. Like that would not last here. They, they better Matt they Rule better get Sean Watson. Yeah, and they bring in PJ Walker, who goes three for fourteen. I mean, he was bad too. I mean, he, he actually had some zip on the ball. It was it was kind of fun to see. He had some zip on the ball, but it was just everything was just inaccurate. Yeah, I I don't agree with like. Come on, Matt Rule. What are you? Why are you embarrassing your quarterback? Especially, you know, you got to know he's going back to MetLife, but whatever. Um, is there anything else? I feel like we hit on everything. No, I, I feel like maybe we should save the... Is this... Is the way that the Giants won the game today, is that a sustainable way to win the game? Let's maybe save that for Wednesday. Maybe somebody asked that for a mail... Hint, hint. I would love if somebody can maybe ask that for a mailback question so we can talk about that then. Um, I... Th- this... So the... Re- this was a wacky game. This was not a normal game that the Giants played today. Um, you know, and frankly, I feel like they won it in the way that, like, they're comfortable winning it. Even if, like, everybody was healthy, by the way. Like, even if they had, like, Kadarius Tony, Kenny Galladay, um, Sterling Shepard, blah, 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 blah. I feel like the Giants won the game today like they want to win every game. And that scares me. And that's kind of points as to why this team will never be good under with Dave Gunnelman as GM and possibly judges head coach, but definitely Garrett as offense coordinator. So 
Yeah, I mean, don't have shouldn't have any big picture take like Daniel Jones has been cons- sustained success, you know. So like, yeah, that's that's you know it's a, a big sample size. So like, any you know you don't take a one game sample size from anybody, whether you know whether who that is, you know. So if they had a good game, bad game, if it's a one game sample size, you don't go crazy taking away with it. But if you if they're putting together like a good amount, like Leonard Williams, like he's putting together a good season, um. You know, Joe, like Joe Judge, very complimentary of this of him. This game doesn't change my stance on Joe Judge, big picture. And then Dave Gellman has to be fired, even if this team wins every game for the rest of the season. Um, I really wanted the final score to be five to three. I really wanted it to. Be. I was, I was, ch- I am not a chanter. I was chanting five three. You just having too much damn fun in that stadium. I, it, I had a lot of fun today. I had you guys a lot it look like you have fun. Like I, I can't wait to come up for the Philly game, and I've said that on like the end of every podcast. But if you're looking for more analysis, it's, it's over. Um, like I can't wait because it looks like everyone's having fun at those yeah. games, even with the even with the team sucking. They won today, but it's like it looks like they're having. Was there any booing today? A, a little bit, yeah. Um, not really heading into halftime, but especially the first half when the offense didn't do anything and you know, fourth and goal and you don't score. Um, oh, yeah. Everybody's bowing. And that, that may be why I feel differently about that series of events and why I put it a lot. I was, I freaked out on Garrett. I was like, how in the world do you run the same personnel out there? Four plays in a row. I was, I was freaking out. Um, so not a lot of booing, you know, cause really the giants, they were, they were winning five to three for the majority of the game. And then obviously they, they broke it open towards the end, but it was crazy how, the start of the game, it had to be at least 40% empty. And I got scared. And then it kind of filled in. And then it was like it was like a classic Giants are losing late in the game. Stadium empty kind of vibe. Except the Giants were winning. And the stadium was empty kind of vibe. And I, and I enjoyed that. Any Panthers fans that were like noticeable? There was a good amount of Panthers fans. Um, but nothing that was over overwhelming. Um, they were... They were kind of frustrated too, which was which was fun. That I I can't talk Are about. Are Panthers this fans more frustrated than Giants fans right now? I don't know. Uh, I didn't I didn't talk to any. Um, but I'm I'm just saying like if you like if you look at their outcome, I think Panthers fans might be because at least we know it's like all right, it's time to fire the get the yeah. They the started GM. their rebuilds. Well, I mean, they if they get to Sean Watson, the energy just changes. Um, which that may happen, right? I guess I don't know. Yeah between that, them and the Dolphins. But I'll, I'll tell you what. I cannot tell you how bad that punter is. Horrible. Horrible. Yeah. The, one of the worst punters. And the, what was so hilarious, Joe, Joe Judge is a genius, everybody. The first punt of the game, Joe Judge did not have a return man back there. And I'm like, what is happening here? This ball's going to bounce back to the Giants' like five-yard line. Nope. The ball is shanked to begin with, and then it bounces forward, and the Giants get the ball at like the 45-yard line their first drive of the game. I'm like, oh, Joe Judge is is a genius. Didn't need to put anybody back there because he knew the punter was terrible. (laughs) Genius Joe Judge. Now people are starting to... Actually, no, I'm not even doing that game. Because he had a quote. I actually like the quote. He's like, you don't need to invent the wheel to drive fast. What was that in reference to? The... um, the trick play. He's like, that play's been ran a, a million times. You know, we yeah. didn't invent that play. And people are like, this guy needs to shut up. Um, 
I think people were having fun with it. I'll say that they weren't going like this guy's an idiot, but people were having fun with it. I was like, actually, I kind of like that. I, I, I'm going to use that quote going forward. I think that's a good quote. What was it? Um, how about this? And again, episode's over. What was the quote? You don't, uh, you don't need to invent the uh, invent the wheel to drive the car fast. Yeah, it's a good quote. And I've never heard it before either. You know, I don't think he created that. By the way. I want I want Judge to write a book full of judgisms. Um, he doesn't have that many. I mean, the fish one the other day was they've been get they've been going up lately, but like he's got to get creative. Even when people like loved him, it wasn't he didn't have like the, a ton of them, you know. Yeah, I guess not. Yeah, it was more just talking about like fundamentals and stuff like that, um, and just giving detailed answers to everything. How about this? Eli Manning's going to be calling Monday Night Football. With Geno Smith as starting quarterback. Awk. Awkward. Yeah. I hate Geno Smith. I really do. Not his fault. But I get I it. I still hate him. But I get it. I get it. I'm indifferent. Um, Alright, you want to end this episode? Yeah, let's end the episode. Alright, we'll be back on Wednesday. Mailbag pod, obviously Olin Report. Film review, stat report, all kinds of, you know, it'll be a lot more fun to watch those this week. So, um, there'll be a Matt Parrott segment on the O-line report. Oh. I, I don't know what else there will be, but there will be. Eh, stuff, so. I don't think Will Hernandez had the best of games. He had a really bad stunt pickup. Him and Solder just can't pick up stunts. It's it's uh, it's unreal. And I don't even, it's, part of me wants to be like, it's Nate Solder's fault. Like, every player that plays back to, next to Nate Solder can't pick up stunts. Because when Will Hernandez was next to Andrew Thomas, they picked up stunts well. But it's like, well, I can't blame it on Nate Solder when it wasn't Nate Solder's fault on that. Like, it was Will Hernandez. Um, but part of it is the tackle showing more urgency getting down. So, but regardless, it's, that, was Nate, that was Will Hernandez's fault. All right, we appreciate you guys. We'll see you on Wednesday. Enjoy a victory. Enjoy Victory Monday. Enjoy the week. Again, we'll be back on Wednesday. See you then. Until then, let's go Big Blue. <laughs>